Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. Welp, that's it. The end of the first season of Ruins of Empire. But the story is not over yet. In fact, it's just beginning. Season number two is set to be released in just a few short weeks, and you still have the opportunity to support it. Just go to kickstarter.com slash projects slash ruins of empire and reserve your signed copy of Templum Venerous right now. It'll help keep this podcast running and help me fund future seasons of this podcast as well as the book. And as always, thank you so much for listening. The shout outs and comments on social media mean a lot and keep me and producer Sean doing what we are doing. Ruins of Empire, Season 2 begins on November 18th. Mark your calendar and go to Kickstarter. Thank you. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, Book 1 of the Ruins of Empire Project a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author and Tyler Murphy. The story so far. Peace has come to Titan, but at an enormous cost. Moments before Vago was to be executed by the Houston, a message from the corporation played for the gathered Urbanoi people, promising them a new age of prosperity under corporation rule. The Houston, threatened by the loss of power, ran to destroy the last remains of the pyramid, and with it, the remains of the ancient civilization that established the lost colony on Titan. He succeeded, but Kronos managed to escape by using a Venganto suit to fly out before the building collapsed on him. At a gathering between the Urbanoi and Perfinduloi people, Vince Laban laid out his plan to turn the native people of Titan into indentured servants for the corporation. Chapter 33 In the end, the only hope to discovering the truth might lie in the planets and moons of our solar system. The real story could still exist somewhere out of reach of those who worked so hard to hide the truth of the fall. There are many reasons to venture from our home planet. Discovering the truth about our own past is arguably the most important. From the Fall, The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Rath Vago floated near his locker in the hibernation pod aboard Innovation, he pressed his thumb to the black pad to unlock it and retrieved a small silver-colored container. It was about the size of his palm and a few inches thick. He unscrewed the top and brought it to his lips. The action opened a valve in the neck and released the liquid inside. A splash of sweet, warming whiskey burst in his mouth. He held it for a moment, savoring the flavor before he swallowed. It was a small celebration worthy of such a small victory. He let his body relax in zero gravity. Constant freefall was soothing in an odd way. Without gravity exerting force on his aching, bruised muscles, he could fully relax. He could lay back, suspended in air, and let the tension drain out of him. He brought the flask to his lips again. The hatched, hissed, and creaked open. Vega winced as he quickly spun around to stash the flask back in his locker. Contraband like whiskey was a minor issue, certainly nothing close to several days' supply of triple T. But he had troubles enough for one trip, and listening to Althea or Isra chew his ear off was more than his tattered psyche could handle. 
So it was a strange relief when it was Kronos who floated through the door, feet first, with the immersion goggles still on his head. He pulled the goggles off and grinned with great excitement. Vago, I thought I would find you here. Vago reached into his locker for the flask again. Ah, what made you think I'd be in here? Kronos cocked his head. You seem like a man who celebrates victory on his own. I am as well. But this time, I had a strange desire. I thought it would be good to share the moment with another person. Vago smiled and tossed the flask from hand to hand, watching it spin slowly in the air. Celebrating alone ain't healthy anyways. Here. He tossed the flask toward Kronos. It flew in a straight line for several seconds before it got close enough for the little net baby to grab it out of the air. He twisted open the cap and sniffed it. What is it? Vago folded his arms. Just a little something they make on the farm. Kronos arched an eyebrow, took a drink, and immediately launched into a coughing fit. That is not a drink for humans. That is fuel. That is something you burn to keep warm, or maybe escape the gravitational pull of a small body. He tossed it back to Vega, who smiled. It takes some getting used to. He raised the flask and said, Here's to a successful mission, to nobody getting killed, and to a new member of the Human Reconnection Project. Kronos blinked. You mean it? What about Isra? She has a way about her. She don't always mean what she says. Besides, you did good at the end. She can be reasoned with. Vago, yelled Isra through the open hatch of the hibernation chamber. In the same way one might reason with a sandstorm, said Vago. He took another drink since being caught was inevitable. Isra shot through the hatch and caught herself on a handle attached near the door. Vago, are you in here? Vago raised the flask. Isra, good to see you. Hell of a mission, eh? Join us for a drink? Isra glared at the little metal container as if it had personally insulted her. No, thank you. I do not want to know where you got that. Anyway, I am here to give you an order. Vago ran his hand down the length of his queue. Oh, good. I was floating here worried that... Vago Spade, I hereby order you to enroll in and complete a Triple T rehabilitation program upon your return to Earth. What happened down there was unacceptable, and I will not have a man I brought on for security running around strung out on some super drug. You will enroll, you will complete it, and you will submit to a complete screening and a physical assessment before you are cleared for another mission. Is that clear? As a brilliant starry night. Isra floated forward until she was too close to his face. I mean it, Vago. Clean up your act, or I will toss you out and leave you to die in some gutter on Earth. You have the occasional ability to make situations slightly less dangerous, and that is the only reason I did not shoot you myself. Despite Isra's proximity, he managed to get the flask to his lips. Understood. Isra spun around to face Kronos. As for you, once we get back to Earth, I want you to report immediately to Ministry Security for clearance and a background scan. You will also schedule a medical examination as quickly as possible. We will be scheduling a new mission soon, and I expect you to be better prepared than you were for this one. Kronos nodded so fast that his head was in danger of disconnecting from the rest of his body. Isra looked both men over and, satisfied with her work, spun around and launched herself toward the hatch. She grabbed the handle at the door. Kronos, one more thing. Kronos gulped. Isra spent a moment looking at the little man floating in front of her. You are not entirely useless. Kronos relaxed. But if you ever cross me, or otherwise undermine my work again... I will throw you out an airlock and see how long you can hold your breath. 
Cronus's entire posture, again, had the tension of a guitar string. Yes, yes, I'm sorry, absolutely. With that, she pulled herself out of the hibernation chamber and went about her business of terrorizing some other hapless victim. Vago shook his head. Coming from me, Sir Jacario. That was a hell of a compliment. It was beautiful. Seriously. I might cry a little. Kronos watched the hatch close behind Isra. I suspect that's the nicest thing she will say to me. But that is okay. I should go. I should retrieve the data I saved in the pyramid in case someone else stumbles across it. Vigo raised the flask as Kronos left. What are the chances they find it? Kronos smiled. Almost zero. But why take a chance if no chance is necessary? Besides, if I can download what I have now, I can start the processors on it during hibernation. I should have the results before I wake. See you on Earth, Vago Spade. Vago watched the man open the hatch and pull himself through. As he did, Althea came from the other direction. She pulled herself inside and looked at the flask. Oh, you've got to be bloody kidding me, Vago. Vago tried to relax again. That's why I'm in here. Didn't think anyone would come looking. Turns out I might as well post a Kiosen sign outside. Care for a drink? Althea sighed. Sure, why not? Vago tossed her the flask. She took a couple hefty swallows from it. Something on your mind, Althea? Asked Vago, watching her. She screwed the top back on and coughed a little. Nothing much. I just... I wonder if we did the right thing. Althea tossed the flask back to him. He started to unscrew it. Couldn't say what the right thing is. We completed our mission. That's all that matters. Come on, Vago. You heard what Laban said, so don't play dense. Trading labor for passage back to Earth? You know as well as I do what's going to happen. They'll demand thousands of tons of methane, ethane, and propane for a single ride. People like Halifax and the Houston will secure their own freedom first. A few leaders will follow. Meanwhile, the corporation will import more desperate people onto the moon and force them into indentured servitude that they will never pay off. When we arrived, roughly half the population of Titan were slaves. Not that we are leaving. Almost all of them are. A bloody good job if I do say so myself. Vago shrugged and took a drink. They worship the corporation. I understand that being a servant to a god is one of the great pleasures in life. Althea had to laugh as Vago tossed the flask back to her. <sighs> I know you were cynical, but that's not the same thing at all, and you know it. I suppose that's my outer theological debate. I wouldn't worry about it, Althea. The Titanians drove off the last invaders before the fall. The corporation knows that, or at least they will know it soon enough. The Ministry wants to conduct their own operations there as well, and that means the corporation will be on their best behavior for a few years. Just until the money can find the right pockets, at least. Althea took a drink. You know what I love about you, Vago? Your sunny disposition. He smiled. There'll be another Halifaco someday. Some upstart kid will gather a force and fight the corporation. They'll win, too. Nobody's figured out how to fight a war over a billion kilometers away, regardless of how powerful they are. If there's one thing history shows, humans have the powerful urge to misbehave. Althea smiled. There is that. There's always hope, Althea. She raised the flask. Here's to hope. Vega raised his empty hand. And here's to the rebels and the maniacs that keep it alive. While Althea took another drink, Vago added, And, depending on how megalomaniacal those rebels get, who knows what exciting new oppressive regimes await this world. Althea sighed and tossed the empty flask. Good night, Vago. For Vago, home was an apartment in the Ipanema neighborhood of Rio de Janeiro, 
At least it was for one more night. Vigo packed a bag in the darkened room, while the bright lights and sounds of perpetual celebration floated through the open window. Rio may not have been the city that didn't sleep, but it was definitely a city that was going to have to sleep off what they did the night before. Part of him wanted to go out one more time, say goodbye to the hustlers and the bartenders and the daughters of the wealthy upper class. They would be sad to see him go, and they would express their grief through gallons of alcohol and no small amount of illicit substances. It was how they expressed most every emotion come to think of it. He opened a drawer and dumped everything into a canvas bag. What he wanted was one more shard of triple T, so he stayed upstairs. He just finished removing all his fine clothes from the closet when a ringing drew his attention from the bedroom into the main room. He walked out and stood in front of a screen embedded in the wall. He waved his hand in front of it and called, Hello? The screen in the main room was a couple of meters wide by a meter tall, and Cronus's face filled every millimeter in rather horrifying detail. From that distance, he could see every one of the little hairs still hanging on Cronus's balding head. His eyes were hidden behind his glowing goggles. He had a manic grin on his face, but that was nothing new for him. Vago sighed. Cronus, good to see you. I see you got back to wherever it is you live. I live in the signal. The code is my senses. I hear everything. I see... Vago stopped him. That's great, Kronos. Really, great. Listen, I don't have a lot of time to talk. I've got to pack what I can and catch a suborbital in the morning, so if you could just make this quick. Have you ever heard of the Heracles Project? Nope, can't say that I have. Good talk, Kronos. Now, it's some kind of obscure project from the early 22nd century. There's only one mention of it of any document on the Nouveau-Net. Vigo took off his hat and ran his fingers down the length of his queue. So? Kronos cocked his head and leaned closer to the camera. I have a small sample of communications from that time period from Titan. It's mentioned in almost every single one. Talked about constantly on Titan, but nothing on Earth. I don't understand, said Vago, getting impatient. What's a project on Titan got to do? No, it was a project somewhere else. A big one. But there is no mention of what it was. Only people wanting to leave Titan in time for Heracles. Others spoke of jobs related to the project. No details, but it's big. Vago rolled his eyes. Right, a big project, nobody knows nothing about it. Kronos, what does all this got to do with me? Kronos paused and looked around a moment as if to make sure they were alone. How long have you known Easter Jacario? Vigo sighed again. She was on the crew of the first expedition to Mars. She wasn't in charge then, just a ministry wonk getting her feet wet in interplanetary relations. Kronos, is this going somewhere because I got a lot to... Kronos's face disappeared and it was replaced by a document of some kind. There are no records of Easter Jacario of any kind anywhere before she was 12 years old. This document is the first record of her existing at all. Vago peered at the document on the screen closely. Where did you get this? Leaked documents, part of a deep ministry slice. The kind of thing where if you know about it, they kill you. Then could you please take it off my screen? Don't worry. My communications are secure. Bounce through old internet cables so nobody could track it. Now pay attention. Remember how I said this is the only mention of Heracles anywhere on Earth? It's right here. The document zoomed in, and a particular passage was highlighted. Vago leaned forward and read out loud, Isra's origins before her recovery are unknown. Several hypotheses have been proposed, however. From her testimonial and the advanced nature of the technology she arrived with, it is possible that she is a product of the Heracles Project. The document disappeared and was replaced with Kronos looking more manic than normal, an effect enhanced by the shapes and numbers moving across his goggles. The only record of the Heracles Project on Earth is directly related to Easter Jacario. What? What does that mean? 
Vago stared at the screen for a few moments. Isra never talked about her past. In fact, he couldn't pinpoint a single moment when she brought up life before the Reconnection Project. So what did this mean? Probably a whole mess of trouble. Vago stepped back. It don't mean nothing, Kronos. Not yet, anyway. Take care of yourself. I'll see you on the next mission. Kronos started to say something, but Vago waved his arm, and the strange little hacker vanished. There was too much to do right now. An apartment to pack up, a life to put back in order. As he went back to the bedroom to put away the last of his things, the nagging thought still echoed in his head. Isra Jacario and the Heracles Project. It probably made sense in some way, but nothing that would be apparent, and nothing that Isra would want to talk about. The past should remain the past. Best to focus his mind on the here and now. Outside the window, the perpetual party of Rio de Janeiro screamed on. He stuck his head out of the open window and breathed the air. The space above the streets was filled with strange glowing shapes, holograms that turned the warm Brazilian night into a constant light show along with laughter, shouts, and music. Down below, a group of women dressed in their shortest, tight-fitting clothing looked up at Vago and waved. He recognized one. She reached into her pocket and held up something small. Even this far away, and with this many bright lights, he recognized the little blue capsule. The past is only the past when one decides to make a change. Otherwise, tomorrow just becomes another today. Vega waved back and closed the window. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, the first book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Broken Reality by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license.